At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome back to another Monday morning brought to you by Bo and Maisie. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Coca-Cola or something. I was like, dude, we're still not sponsored by them. (laughs) Hello, losers. Get in. We're going podcasting. Love it. I love that one. If you don't get the reference, get a life. You don't. Well, yeah, there. That's who. I was going to say, if you don't get the reference, you don't get to podcast with us. That's unfortunate as well. But also, it's not true. Um, You can stay, but just get better taste in movies. Just be better. Yeah. Get well soon, you know? That's all we can say is just be better. Yeah. And you know, you definitely need to be better. Ugh, yikes, why? What did I do? <laughs> oh, where to start? I mean, I, I really could go on and on, but for right now, I'm just going to do... Um, I'm just going to take like eight seconds, maybe. Oh, to do what? Um, I just, just, just to apologize for some things on oh. your behalf. So, first of all, I really feel... It's really been laid on my heart recently um, that... Thank God I'm you're just, not dramatic. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Hey, what could I have possibly done <laughs> in this episode? Well, um, you know, I, I just really feel like we need to apologize for the fact that Maddie not only did a whole episode on a body of water, but also that it, she made it so gross and gruesome. Mm, yeah. Um, also, for the whole, uh, you know, this this one's so emotional. Mm. This was obviously a big mistake on Maddie's oh, on Maddie's part. Okay. Um, but I'm going to be the one apologizing for it because she can't mm, um, yikes. stand up. Is that what for, we're saying now? Yeah. She she can't accept responsibility for what she's done. Yikes. Um, so, unfortunately, I have to do that and I have to take the fall for it. Um, but the whole sink or swim mm. debacle, um, how she could yeah. not say that. It was swim or sink, but she couldn't even say that either. It was hard for um, me. It was hard. It was hard for her. It was very hard for her. Yeah. So maybe we should have a moment of silence. Sink or swim. Okay, moment of silence over. Good. Um, that was a very long moment. It was. I hope was a long. I hope you had some time to reflect on the choices you've made. Um, I absolutely did not. Okay. Um, I didn't expect you to. No changes will be made in my behavior. (sighs) Okay. Um. All right, we're canceling Maddie. So yeah, duh, you forgot about that. <laughs> Come on. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll still cancel you. But otherwise, how are you doing today? I'm. G- 
Bo. Shh. It's okay. Shh. It's okay, baby. They're gone. Someone was like walking in their house. They were loud. Yeah, I know. And I was really hoping you would get Bo to be quiet because I've learned from past experiences that when you want to eavesdrop on people, the mics pick it up better than your ears do. No way. So I'll just turn it way up. We love to see that. Yeah. Lauren and I used to do that in our dorm because people you would... You should see the levels on my recording right now. It's just like a straight when... line top to bottom after Bo's bark. <laughs> like, Lauren and I would sit in our in our dorm and do that. And like anytime we'd hear someone talking in the hallway because people would like spill the tea. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it was college. So we would just... Anytime we'd hear people outside when we were recording, we'd just like turn that knob all the way up. And just, just crank it. it. Thanks, Bo. Thank you. Appreciated that one. Um. So how are you doing? Um, I'm doing good. Um, I guess I can say this on the air. I'm fully vaccinated now, which is exciting. You're doing good. What good are you doing? Being fully vaccinated? Does that not count as good? I'll allow it. Um, that I'm trying to make fun of your grammar, but that is doing Um, good. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's where I'm at. I just feel like I did a good thing today. So kind of on cloud nine. Okay. Um, you want to do another good thing today? (laughs) Yes. What is that? (laughs) Listening to me. Yes. So I'm just going to bring it way down after you bring your mic up. Oh. going to bring it way down. Like mm. the mood? Like are you about to kill the mood? Yeah. Ah, oh, yikes. All right, go. Or we could just bring the lights down and really bring up the mood. You know what I'm saying? No. Make it cozy? Just Let's just make it happen. Okay. Tell me what it is. What do I need to know? Okay. So I want you to picture a young family's perfect home. Okay. Oh, this will be easy. I love bringing my personal trauma onto the podcast so everyone feels uncomfortable. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable. I'll cut that out. Because no, please leave it. And it was I just I just didn't know what to do because I was like, do I go straight into what I'm going to say next? Because it feels wrong, but it also feels wrong to just let you have that because it totally feels like a like, <laughs> cry for help. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So I'm going to close my eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. Picture. The young family in a perfect home. These are the Judsons. The father, Robert. The Jetsons? Judson. J-U-D-S-O-N. I just thought the Judsons were more fun, but... Oh, boy. Okay. We're going to keep going with this before she says something out of of turn. The Judson family. Yes. The father, Robert. Okay. The mother, Kate. And the baby, Linda May. That's a pretty name. They're living the American dream Mm. in a beautiful house with a big front porch white picket fence i imagine sure but inside there is nothing but chaos and destruction mm. robert and kate lie dead in the bedroom oh god kate on the bed robert on the floor oh boy bloody footprints leading up to them there's a pool of blood in the baby's room mm. and spattered on the wall behind her crib no untouched by investigators <gasps> the scene has been frozen in time what? you may open your eyes how are you feeling? Uneasy. That was like reverse meditation. Um, I didn't like it. I can feel my heart rate increase rapidly. Okay. Um, I would like to first off know the fate of the baby. Um, oh. I would also then it. Um, no one survived. I don't know how. I don't. I don't know how to react right now. This is one of those moments where I don't know if it's appropriate to add in humor as like comedic relief because this is depressing, or if it's completely frowned upon because it's distasteful 
I'm a little stumped. Do you have a joke? Well, I was going to say part of me pictured Harry Potter when you first said that. Oh, yeah, but no, the baby did not survive. Okay. So, yes, I just, that was going to be my comedic relief. Wasn't that funny? (laughs) And now I just sound insensitive to people's trauma. Well, we're going to move on. Well, actually, we're going to move backwards. Oh, we're going to way rewind. Okay, rewinding. So, Robert, Kate, Linda May, as of now, are dead. Yes, they are. Okay. But we're going way back. Okay. Francis Glessner Lee was born on March 25th, 1878. Oh, this is way back. Yeah. hey Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Snow. Snow. Yes. As a child, she was sometimes known as Fanny. Okay. And she grew up as an upper-class socialite um, in Chicago in the Gilded Age. I'm sorry. Quick. I hate the Gilded Age. I remember having to learn it in A-Push, and I A-push. literally wanted to... I guess I can't make that joke because people have died already in this episode, So, but I, you get the point. Um, literally all of A-Push is a blur. Don't remember any of it. It was my first period. Mm, like, that's unfortunate. It was literally 7.38 a.m. Um, we're not going there. All right, so Franny, Gilded Age. Fanny. Fanny. Yes. Thanks. Francis. Fanny. Uh, okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. Her father, John Jacob Glessner, made a fortune with International Harvester. Okay. Um, Just a little bit of how that happened. In the early 1850s, an agricultural machinery manufacturing company was founded known as Warder, Brokow, and Child Company. Glessner began working for them in 1856, and the company was later reorganized and renamed Warder, Bushnell, and Glessner Company. Got it. Okay. He was part of that. He's now part of it. Yep. He moved to Chicago to open a branch office for the company, which was later merged with a few other firms to become International Harvester. He became vice president of the company, made his fortune through growing International Harvester, really Mm -hmm. being there from the beginning, working his way through the ranks and all that. So he's got quite a bit of money. Got it. Fanny's mother, also named Frances, but Frances M. Glessner, was a bit of a stereotypical upper-class mother. She oversaw the beautiful and expensive and expansive house and fulfilled a much more domestic role than her husband. Fanny was known to be um, somewhat of a sheltered child and perhaps a bit spoiled. Mm. She and her brother were both educated at home, and Frances also learned the typical and Francis also learned the typical skills of a wealthy woman. I can't say the sentence. <laughs> We're going to do it. Francis also learned the typical... Maisie. <laughs> she just like headbutted that. I can't even... See. Oh, there she is. I Maisie. couldn't even see her for a second. Maisie, settle. I got to read this real quick. Settle. All right. I'm ready. <clears throat> All right. See if I can do the sentence. Okay. Where was I? Okay. Francis. Yep. Frances also learned the typical skills of a wealthy woman in that time, such as sewing, embroidery, painting, interior design, and making miniatures, like dollhouses, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was, was quite big in the time. Her brother went on to attend Harvard, um, and there are accounts that Frances wanted to go to law school or medical school, but her parents believed that it was improper for a woman to do so. Well, of course, because why could a woman go to law school and argue and use logic and reason to do anything? In the late 1800s, no reason for that. <laughs> so instead, Francis got married to a young, up-and-coming attorney named Blewett Lee, I think. 
I kind of thought he had a third name, but I guess it's just Blue at Lee is all I wrote, um, which doesn't feel like a real name to me, but that's what I wrote. So it seems like a Jay Gatsby kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was only 19 years old when she got married. Yeah. Go off, sis. Actually, uh, go off and uh, get rid of that man and go to law school, but whatever. You do yeah, too. That, that would have been nice. Hmm. Um, Sad. During their marriage, they had three children. Okay. And seemed to be going well for a while, but eventually they did separate and ultimately got a divorce. Mm. And it does seem that by now, by this point in her life, Frances was fairly frustrated with her lot in life. Yeah. Not necessarily like that she was born into a wealthy family. She did seem to be like appreciative and understanding of that, um, but rather with the limits of her family and her social standing as a woman. Yes, exactly. Got it. Um, Her son actually said that he believed that part of the reason their marriage did fall apart, like the reason it didn't work out, was due to her, quote, creative urge coupled with high manual dexterity the desire to make things mm. which lee did not share like her her husband yeah. so it seems like maybe you know she was not necessarily built for domestic life she wanted to make yeah. things she wanted to be doing things she was very creative and uh, her husband wasn't a fan we stand franny fanny yikes why do i keep calling her franny because her name is francis we stand francis aka fanny yeah, Maisie somehow got a Nerf bullet. No idea where that came from. Well, that definitely shows that she's your dog because I do not own a Nerf gun, <laughs> nor have I ever, nor will I ever. I know it's Nerf or nothing, but nothing. It's nothing. You're, and, and you know what? You know what? So are you. You're you're nothing to me. So around the 1930s, Francis now divorced, um, was now free from the marriage that left her feeling stifled. And around the same time, she also inherited her father's fortune. We'd love that. Absolutely love that. With less expectations, more time, and more money, she could now explore some of the things that she was most interested in, that Mm -hmm. she did not have the ability to do so before. One of these things that she was very interested in was crime. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously solving crime, not committing crime, correct? Are we unsure? Is it both? No comment. (laughs) I wanted you to say something funny. Oh, like, okay. That's fine. Mom's gone. (laughs) She ruined it. That's fine. So crime. (laughs) Right. um, We record better at night. That's all I'm saying. We do not. The night episodes are always the one that are like an hour long. Yeah. And the morning <laughs> ones are always good and sharp and clean. And they're like and, 30 and funny minutes. funny and funny. And then... These are hilarious. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? No, they're, they're we hilarious. can't make it through a sentence no, without no, laughing. No, they're hilarious, but they're a different kind of hilarious. Like they are pure chaos <laughs> and ADHD. Right. And we cannot stick to any thought. It's a different kind of funny. I don't even have ADHD, y'all. <laughs> She's just feeding, feeding off of mine and feeding into mine. You're welcome. So, again, I say. Crime. So crime. So crime. So she had always had an interest in forensics, um, but a few years earlier she had, like a few years before getting this mm-hmm. money and freedom and all that, she had starting started spending time with her brother's classmate, George Burgess McGrath. Okay. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, he later became a professor of pathology at Harvard Medical School nice. and became the chief medical examiner of Suffolk County. Wow. So she learned a lot about the holes in the investigative process. Hmm. For example, that coroners were not required to be doctors with med- medical degrees. They still aren't. What? 
Mm, yeah, they're not. I did not know that. So coroners don't have to have medical degrees in most places. Um, medical examiners do. Got it. A coroner is like an elected official. Okay. And the medical examiner is appointed. Got it. Coroners mostly do like signing death certificates and overseeing stuff. Yeah, but at the time, they weren't necessarily as separated as they are today. Like okay. that's what it is okay. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back in those days, forensics. Um, forensics. How do dot, I put dot, this? Dot. How do I put this? Um, you don't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was starting to be the thing, but not quite there. Yeah, they were doing good things considering right. how little had been done in the past. But we'll give them some cred. In comparison to today, I would, I would not want them to be investigating my murder. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, and some other holes in the investigative process being that uh, many police and detectives were not properly trained. And so with the help of her friend, she began learning more and more about the fledgling field of forensic mm -hmm. investigation quite an alliteration you just had there. I, I didn't mean to do that i didn't it notice it until i was like about to say forensic i was like well we're already here mm -hmm. so together her and her friend who was her brother's classmate um they lobbied to have coroners replaced with trained medical professionals and wow. medical examiners or to at least have one present um she also endowed the harvard department of legal medicine which was the first of its kind in america hmm um, and even more gifts to Harvard established the George Burgess McGrath Library, oh. a, tra a chair in legal medicine at Harvard, and the Harvard Seminars on ho this. Okay, and the Harvard Seminars in Homicide Investigation. Love it, wow. just love it. Um, and additionally, she had endowed the Harvard Associates in Police Science, um, which is a national organization which claims which aims, not claims, well, both, I suppose both, but aims to further forensic science. Um, and this organization had a division dedicated to her that was wow. named the Francis Glessner Lee Homicide School, which is just one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And if I ever get my name on anything, I want it to be something like that. So she kind of like built the Harvard forensics. Kind of. Yeah. She, she certainly... Um, She's like kind of one in the same, you might say. She, she certainly helped yeah she certainly grew, grew it quite a bit um, because she had money to put towards it there you go but back to the harvard seminars and okay. homicide investigation these seminars would usually include 30 to 40 men um and as the only woman in attendance it was francis who would preside over these seminars hmm. interestingly this is where we see her nature of interest in forensics collide with her nurture of like trained domesticity or the first time we see it anyway as she would like hold big banquets at the ritz carlton oh. um and she would plan out fancy table settings and floral arrangements and ensure yeah. elaborate evenings that included lavish food for mm. the detectives and the medical examiners um, that were in attendance so she just kind of blended what was traditionally expected and almost said like look i can do both yeah pretty much I like it yeah it's good stuff after years of interest in forensics and surrounding herself with investigators and professionals, she was finally able to somewhat break into this male-dominated field mm -hmm. that she really did not have any education in before this. And she obviously did get some informal education yeah. in a lot of this and attended these seminars and things yeah. like that. But, you know, no degrees or anything like that. But this is not what she was famous for. 
she became famous for what the Smithsonian calls murder is her hobby. Mm. That sounds like you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> solving murders on it? Okay. Huh? I guess it'd be like solving murders. You like to do that in your free time? Me? Yeah, like criminology stuff. Like, you like I mean, I haven't solve solved them. any murders. Well, I, I, I guess whatever. That I know. Researching them, learning about them. You, yeah, yes, I suppose. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. but she, am I, am I understanding this, that she is not going to be the one that's solving murders? Is she the one committing the murders? What do you think? I think she's committing them. Well, the thing is, mm. the murder that I described mm-hmm. was not actually a murder. In fact, it was not even people. It was no living being. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. So what she was famous for was what is right. titled Murder is Her Hobby. And it was not all of her time and money and passion that mm. she dedicated to forensic investigation that earned her her title mm-hmm. of the mother of forensic science, also sometimes the godmother of forensic science. Okay. She wanted to do more than what she would was doing. She wanted to do more than just donating money and having banquets mm-hmm. and things like that. But obviously she was lim- limited by gender stereotypes and social limitations. So Glessner Lee realized that students needed to learn how to properly investigate a crime scene. Mm. But that in doing so, they would disturb evidence um, and make vital mistakes that could ruin real investigations until they were properly trained. But in order to be properly trained, they actually had to attend these things. Right. So there was kind of that vicious cycle going on. She also believed criminological theory that scientific analysis of both material and visual evidence um, could solve crimes. Mm-hmm. Seems, you know, pretty reasonable now. Right. So again, she combined her true passion with her trained femininity, this time to create dollhouses. Oh. But these were not any ordinary dollhouses. I'm seeing this. Yeah. These were dioramas that she named the nutshell studies of unexplained death. Huh. These 19 dioramas display scaled down composites of real crime scenes in incredible detail. So they are, you know, kind of based on real events, real, yeah, like true cases, but Mm -hmm. it's not like this one is this specific case. It's it's a composite of multiple cases uh, generally, but really, incredible detail that's so cool so the scale is i think like an inch to a foot um soup cans are labeled correctly wow blood spatters are completely realistic in their patterns they are not like pared down dollhouse lives like most dollhouses Uh are they're just scaled down Mm. they're not they're not pared down at all they are like real full lives of people and they are just frozen in time calendars are correct of like when people were murdered like what you know what calendar page did they have open household items are perfectly arranged minuscule mouse traps actually work wow the doors and the locks work they lock and unlock with the keys that she made that are oh my gosh pick up with like a tweezers it's it's absolutely insane and Glessner Lee completely obsessed over these details, and she yeah. spent about three thousand to forty-five hundred dollars on each Dang. diorama. And I don't know if that is adjusted for inflation or not. I could not find that information anywhere. I checked multiple sources. Either way, it's a lot of freaking money on a dollhouse. Yeah, 
and she made 19 of them. Holy guacamole. And they took a long time because, again, she obsessed over imagine, detail. Imagine Harvard coming to her and saying, hey, we need a little more money to do this cool new program. She's like, can't, sorry, building my 18th out of 19 <laughs> dollhouses. And they're like, what? Love it, love and it. And then she brings them to the lecture hall and says, boom. <laughs> and they're like, what? Get with it, boys. <laughs> Although many of them do depict female victims in a domestic setting, which was perhaps, Mm -hmm. you know, her own way of getting out some frustration and talking about the dangers of extremely stereotypical and like forced roles. Um, They do depict an array of lifestyles and victims. A lot of there's a lot of middle class families, but there's also things like seedy rented rooms that the disenfranchised may have Hmm. um, been living in and, you know, depictions of sex workers and things like Mm -hmm. that of like people who have died in all kinds of circumstances wow but a lot of these scenes are things that glessner lee never would have found herself in in real life yeah which uh i do think that a lot of those things of like Mm -hmm. putting herself in the shoes and the crime scenes of people that she would not come in contact with was not something that most uh socialites did in the gilded age or post gilded age you know we're getting more 1930s 1940s now so you know yeah but she grew up in that she and that's uh yeah a lot and in order to make these accurate glessner lee did many things that most women of the time were not allowed to do or perhaps would not want to do or both Mm. um she sat in on autopsies and she walked through real crime scenes and spent time with experts in Mm -hmm. her field um, she studied blood spatter patterns and so on. Um, she even ensured that the doll's corpses had accurate discoloration and wow. bloating to when, and yeah. like, how bloated was this corpse when it, what, what it was found? Crazy. I don't know oh how you, gosh. I don't know how you put what bloat on a doll, but somehow she managed to do it. But the thing is, these aren't really whodunits. It's rather, given what we have, how do we do it? Mm. Not what has been done, but what will we do? Oh, I like that's interesting. So the point isn't necessarily to solve mm-hmm. the crimes in these uh, in these dioramas, but to train yourself, right? As but, in, if you're the investigator, what exactly. are you going to do in this situation? Exactly. The point is to train your eye to notice what's important in a see a mm-hmm. visual information, and to train students how to collect detail and think critically in an overwhelming situation. Mm-hmm. Um, figuring out the manner and the cause of death only happens when all of this has been done properly yeah you aren't going to walk in and know what happened you know and and if you aren't trained properly to know what to look for you're going to get overwhelmed when you walked in when you walk in overwhelmed or misled and not know where to start and just be like there's a bunch of stuff here and there's a dead doll over there i don't know what's happening yeah where do i start so that's the point of these dioramas is to train students but these miniatures do train one to go about it very methodically and she had a Mm -hmm. certain way that she suggested to be done but you know Everyone has a different method. I think hers was kind of like, um, uh, like going like a clockwise spiral. Hmm. So it's kind of like you just have a pattern to follow. Yeah. So you're not getting pulled away in a bunch yeah. of different directions. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, there are no public answers. Like you can look at pictures hmm. of these, but there are no public answers of like what was what happened here. Was this a suicide? Was this yeah homicide? Was it an accident? Was it natural causes? There's no answers. Um, publicly there is a set of answers but it is kept under lock and key Hmm. Um, and I think maybe they sometimes use it for like actual students but um, interesting 
And so are these public. so are these boxes are they at the Smithsonian? Or are they kept in Harvard? They were they were briefly there. Okay. So in 1945, Glessner Lee donated these dioramas to Harvard. Got it. To be used in her seminars mm-hmm. um, that she was presiding over, which is awesome. She's so cool. She's just having these seminars, and then she's like, "Hey, look at this absolutely groundbreaking dollhouse. Amazing. Love her. I just did this in my free time. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What's your hobby? So then in 1966, they were given to the Maryland Medical Examiner's Office. Um, I believe that was mm-hmm. when um, the um, the seminars ceased. Gotcha. Um, she was pretty old at that point. So Bruce Goldfarb, great last name, who works at the office of the chief medical examiner in Baltimore and oversees the collection, said, quote, they do something that no other medium can do. You can't do it with film. You really couldn't do it with still images. Even today, I don't think there's a computer simulation that does what Mm. the nutshells can do. She knew that she was dealing with hard-boiled homicide detectives, so there couldn't be anything remotely doll-like about them. They were not toys. Mm. Yeah. So these were so complex and so convincing that they are actually still used for training and no seminars on criminal investigations. Yeah, like 90 years later, almost 90 years later. Wow. Um, but for, and, and that's for forensics, that's insane. Yeah, seriously. Because so is much has changed since. Absolutely insane. Even then, the 70s and 80s. Even since the 2000s. Yeah. Crazy how much has changed. Um, but for a short while, they were on display at the Smithsonian American Art Museum's mm-hmm. Renwick Gallery in Washington, D.C. And curator Nora Atkinson points out something interesting, um, which is that when people come in, they're given a flashlight, a little flashlight to investigate oh, cool. these miniature crime scenes. But she points out that they would often come in thinking that they'd be able to solve the cases mm-hmm. by looking at these dollhouses. Um, but people would just leave with no idea of where to start. Yeah but with a better idea of just how insanely complicated real crime scenes are. Yeah. This is a completely random fact that I don't know why I didn't say it earlier, probably just because I completely forgot. But as a child, Francis was really into Sherlock Holmes oh, as well. Probably, you know, when you have an, an, an interest in forensics, yeah, criminology, whatever it may be, you're going to... You're going to like Sherlock. You're going to like Sherlock. But that did actually kind of... Um, inspire her in these in a way because mm-hmm. well it, it partially at least partially inspired her attention to detail because yeah. in a lot of the Sherlock Holmes stories the crimes that go unsolved at least you know before Sherlock comes mm-hmm. in are because of lack of attention to detail yeah and that is very much what she is trying to get across right in and these Sherlock miniatures. comes in he's like did you see this one piece of wood that's out of place and investigators are like contact we totally didn't see that Sherlock <laughs> thanks man you're welcome that I'm not going to be able to take out. No. Well, you know what? I obviously can't do anything about this because my dog has got the zoomies and is repeatedly, whoa, <laughs> chucking her toy around and figurating it because of the canine instinct to break an animal's neck. And you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. So you're just going to hear her crinkling toy in the background. And we're going to finish it up with that. And uh Yeah deal with it so because of how important her work was this it's just so distracting it's how Maisie lay down good girl 
So because of how important her work was and still is, um, Glessner Lee was made an honorary captain of the New Hampshire State Police. Wow. Yeah, the Go State Police. Um, and as such, she was the first woman ever to join the International Association of Chiefs of Police. Well, how about that? She's just got like... A woman did, with no education. Yeah, she did so much stuff. Yeah, she definitely is a, a renaissance woman, her parents, I might say. Her parents were like, you know what? How about you don't study those things? And she was like, that's fine. I'll still do everything that I that I would if I had yeah. a degree in it. I'll show you. And you know what? I will Who change college. I will change the path of forensics forever. Boom. Suck it. <laughs> mom and dad. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> I don't think she was. Isn't this is where I should pull out the quote, don't ever let anyone dull your sparkle. Oh. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just felt like it was right. I just really thought I would never have to hear it again, ever. Sorry. I, I'm i sorry. Just felt right. Well, Fanny's pretty great. I don't want to talk to you. Mm. So to close us out, I say to the listeners, a quote from our lovely Sir Goldfarb. I don't remember his first name, so I'm going to call him Sir Goldfarb. Quote, she made forensic investigation into a scientific process. And you know what? That is extremely important. It it seems like a simple thing to just like walk around, yeah. collect evidence properly. But at that point, to take something from guesswork and yeah. uh, theories much of the time to scientific process and scientific evidence and all of that was absolutely groundbreaking so she is just an absolute girl boss yep um of the highest order in the best sense we love her she's doing impeccable things hi 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 baby oh my gosh this dog is almost as needy as i am um i guess that's what happens when i train her so with all of that being said about francis glessner lee my absolute hero it is now time for me to go be my dog's hero <laughs> and yeah, play with please, her. <laughs> seriously. So here's where you can she find us. She has torn it apart. For more. Um, well, you know what? The other thing I want to say is there are some awesome pictures of these. It's not the same as seeing them in person, obviously, because there's so much detail. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll uh, send one to you and you yeah. can see what you can figure out. That'd be great. About this and then we can compare notes maybe we'll definitely put the pictures online and all of that on the instagram and we'll see about the twitter i'm trying to use twitter but i hate twitter <laughs> um and then maybe we can all compare notes on a live or something or send send us send us an email of what you think happened in one of these scenes because yeah. they're so fascinating and i could look at them for hours um and yeah they're a little spooky because they're old dollhouses that depict murder scenes but it's lovely she's lovely i want to be her so where can they find these pictures and contact us and see everything that we're doing? Because they, we are obviously the center of the universe and they want to know everything about what we were doing 24-7. They can find us on Instagram and TikTok. Hyperfocus Pod. Twitter. Hyperfocus underscore pod. YouTube and Facebook. Goodness, Macy. Uh, be surprised if you can hear this over my dog, but that is Hyperfocus colon, a podcast for chaotic minds. She just threw that thing like 10 feet up into the air, and I saw it out of the corner of my eye only, and I tried very hard to get through the end of my sentence. Um, you did a great job. <laughs> they can also find us at our email, hyperfocuscast at gmail.com. And with that, we will say adieu. 
Stay chaotic, babes. Were you just making out with your pop filter? What's happening there? Yes, that is the answer to that question. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.